0: If you have your Bibles with you, please turn to the book of Acts, chapter 2. Acts, chapter 2. So the last couple of Sundays, we've deviated from our series, and we're going to wrap up our series today going back to Uncommon Community. Um, And we're going to talk a little bit about—we'll do a refresh a little bit to remind people why we were talking about Uncommon Community. And then I'm going to talk about the last piece of this. Uh, that I think is important for us to hear today in Acts chapter 2. It is super important for us to talk about community because community and Christianity go together. You're going to hear about that a little bit today. But the world's definition of community doesn't look like God's definition of community. And we cannot actually be the type of people that God has called us to be if we don't become a community of people. Um, It's not about individualism. It's about community community. Uh, there are different definitions of community, but Pastor Rob kicked it off a number of weeks ago when he just talked about what it means to really do life together. And when you put your faith in Christ and uh, you become a follower of Jesus, learning how to do life together is a pretty significant thing. It's the way God created us to be and to share life with each other. Since that time, we've talked about the Acts 2.42 passage. that talks about being devoted to, to, to the apostles' teaching and the prayer, how that has to be the foundation of who we are. That we cannot actually be a genuine biblical community unless the foundation that we begin with is the foundation of knowing God and being in relationship with God. That's super important. Otherwise, we're just gathering as a group of people and having fun. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's part of what it looks like to have community to enjoy life together. But our foundation has to be the truth of God's word. Our foundation has to be knowing what God is saying through his word, and letting that be the thing that changes us and draws us closer to him and closer to each other. Uh, we also talked about eating together, the spiritual aspect of eating together. I know most people here said you really enjoyed eating. Uh, food is a great thing. And it's a very spiritual thing to share a meal with someone across the table. You can build a great relationship with people simply by enjoying a meal together. And uh, there's a great example of that all through scripture that we shared. Um, We're going to read the main passage today, this morning, again, just as a reminder, and then we're going to talk about one specific thing that we see later on, beginning in verse 42 of Acts 2. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. I love how God takes the concept of genuine community of having the foundation of God's word, of prayer, of eating together, and all of those things come together and they bring a sense of awe over the people and there are many miracles that happen as a result of community. That is not a coincidence and it's something for us to remember. In the context of genuine community, God is going to move in the context of genuine community. Look at verse 44. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Verse 47. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So today I want to focus in on what we see specifically on verses 44 through 46. And it said this. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Today's message is called, My Stuff is Your Stuff. So really biblical, really fancy words. Stuff is one of those words that I use when I was like five. Okay, but I'm going to use it this morning because Jesus said we have to have faith like a child. And children understand stuff, so that's what we're going to talk about. What does authentic community look like? Authentic biblical community, what does it look like? My stuff is your stuff. That's what we're talking about. Now let me clarify, because you might be listening to that to go, yeah, wait a minute. That sounds like socialism. Are you trying to say that Jesus wants us to be socialists? No, I'm not talking about that. We're actually not talking about any economic ideal, socialism. I don't know what's going on with my mic today. I think I'm going to probably. Can we just take a pause and just let this go away? I don't want to be distracting here. I'm going to go to a to a regular microphone, Ben. I'm going to switch it over here, Pastor Rob. Man, and look what happens. <laughs> Christy, we need him back, man. Get him back here Friday morning, okay, at 1230 a.m., and we'll take care of that. So (laughs) guess what we're doing 1230 in the morning on Friday. Um, So my stuff is your stuff is what we're really talking about here, but it's not socialism, okay? Socialism is your stuff is my stuff. That's socialism, okay? You have more than I do, and you need to give it to me because it belongs to me as well. That's socialism. And the process or the progress, the next step away from socialism is communism. And communism is all stuff is our stuff, okay? Which means no one really owns anything individually. Everything is owned by the community. I'm not talking about that, okay? And the whole purpose of what you see in Scripture is not to promote an economic ideal. We're not trying to say, you know, Jesus really came to be a socialist economy. He really wants us to be a communist, you know, organization. That's not at all what the whole purpose of this is. This is a voluntary thing that happened as a result of the Holy Spirit working in the people of God. Radical love that resulted in radical generosity. That's what authentic community produces. Radical love that resulted in radical generosity. What these people were starting to recognize by walking in relationship with God and the power of the Holy Spirit is that what they owned was not their own. It's a powerful thing that God did in their hearts. He recognized or they recognized that God didn't give them all of the resource and all of the skill and all of the ability and everything that they had and they've accumulated or the things that they've grown and they've learned in for themselves. He gave it to them for the sake of, of the community in addition to meeting their own needs. It's so important that we remember this and we see this because this is not necessarily what we hear in our world. Now, we don't really live in a socialist country, though there are a lot of people that want us to be that way. And we definitely don't live in a, ca- in a communist country. We live in a capitalist country. And capitalism says, my stuff is my stuff. That's what it says. I worked for it. I earned it. I deserve it. Now, that doesn't mean that people aren't generous and they give to other people, but it's difficult in our culture to understand what's happening here with the truth of the the Holy Spirit is that when the Spirit of God touched these people and he worked within the group of people and people were getting saved and the miracles were happening and they were gathering on a daily basis, they had a mindset shift where the Spirit put in them the love of Christ so that they recognized that God didn't just give them things to take care of themselves. But what they owned wasn't necessarily just their own. I think our brains go into a little bit of a default. or like those pinball machines that like tilt when you, know, when you hit them too hard. What are you talking about? What does that mean? I mean, it's very clear in this passage what you see. They met together in one place. They shared everything that they had. They sold their property and their possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. Now, this isn't about being equitable. It doesn't say that everybody had the same amount of money and everybody had the same amount of things. What it's basically saying is whenever the church saw a need, the church responded with the resource the church had. Does that make sense? When people recognized a need, they looked to themselves and said, how can we meet the need? What can we do and what part do we have to meet the need? So my stuff is your stuff is kind of what I'm talking about. We're here together for the sake of building the community. This can feel completely overwhelming because you'll get people that will be radical in a way that teach something like this to say, and that is why, you know, if you have X number of dollars, you have to do this with it. Or if you have this amount of ability, you're supposed to spend this amount of time helping people doing this. It's never about a formula in God's kingdom. It's always about a condition of our heart. It's always about how generous do we want to respond to God's generosity. God continues to make us generous as we get closer to him. And that's the way it looks. It's not about being equal across the board. It's about saying, and think about it, just across the church, those who are believers in the church, God's first call and priority for the church is to take care of the church. But there shouldn't be people in need. Across the church. Why? Because he has given us the ability through all of the resources. Some of us have different kinds of resources. It's not just about finances. It's about talents. It's about skills. It's about time that we all have different types of abilities to help people in different ways where God says, if you have a skill and someone has a need, I can put those two together. I am so thankful for people across our church that recognize that and they see sometimes what they can't offer with money, they can offer with their gift and they bless people with their gift. Or if they don't have the skill set to help someone in that, they have the time to help them figure it out. Does that make sense? It's not about just money. Now, that's not an excuse for us to not be generous financially, but it's about recognizing how God has created us and to recognize true community as we get closer to God and closer to Jesus is to build relationship with each other by meeting the needs of each other. The body is supposed to support each other. It's super powerful. Why? I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. So how do we do this? I want to share two brief things with you this morning on how do we do this? Because you might hear this and you might say like, okay, I kind of get that, but I don't know how I really feel. How do I even go there? It's, it's really difficult for me to do that. The first thing is this. Um, we need to remember two things. Number one, when you follow Jesus, you become family. Okay? This is really important for us to remember because we live in a world where in our country, you are your most important person. Our culture tells us you've got to look out for who? Number one. And who's number one? You are number one. Take care of yourself. It's about you. I mean, now in the, in the social media world that we live in, we don't take useys. We take selfies, you know? We don't take youfies or whatever they call them. That sounds like a drug. Uh, we take selfies. Some of you may take youfies. Um, I don't know. We don't take that. We take selfies. Look at me. Look at me. And you can see it. I mean, it makes me laugh sometimes when I look at it online. I'm like, some people are really into themselves on their social media sites. You know, they're just sitting there and they always have like these serious pictures. They're like, look at me. I'm glamorous. Look at me. I can do this. Look at me. I have a six pack. And, And they're doing all that. And people take these pictures all the time. It's about me, 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 me. We live in a world of blogs where people want to blog. Everyone wants to publish. Now on social media sites, it doesn't matter if it's Instagram or Facebook or whatever it is that you do, now when you do video, you don't just have a video that's recorded. Now it's live. It's live. So everyone has their own little TV spot. And you can have it viewed all over the world. And this is so silly, but I look at it and go, people are affected by this. I know I have too. If one person likes something that you put all of your time and effort into, you're like, oh. But if like hundreds of people liked it, you'd be like, yeah, look at me, look at me. Like we did this a couple of years ago, one of our Easter things when we, uh, I don't know if you guys were here a few years ago for Easter when we had a special and we, the kids came up, some of the students came in black uh, attire and they had white glow in the dark gloves and we did this presentation for Easter. There was like 1500 views of that special. And I remember people looking at it going, do you see how many people looked at that? You see how many people looked at that? And I'm like, it was pretty cool. You know? And I was excited about that. But, but we're not afraid to admit, at least I'm not afraid to admit, but it feels good when people you know, are, are backing you, they support you, they like what you do. Because we're kind of about us in that process, about propagating our stuff. You can have domain names now on the website that either are your name. You know, you can actually go and buy johnsmith.com if no one else bought it. And people can just, you know, you're on the internet. You have your little spot and it belongs to you. I'm sharing all this because when you join Jesus and he becomes the leader of your life, he becomes the ruler of your heart, you become part of his family. I become part of his family. And what that means is that though we're still unique and we're still an individual, we don't practice individualism, we become part of the community, which means we recognize, wait a minute, families are supposed to stick together. Families are supposed to meet the needs of each other. Here's what I know. I know that I spend more time with my family than I do with any of you. And you probably spend more time, I hope, with your family than you do with me or other people. Because you live under the same roof. I also know something which is very significant. More of my money has gone to care for my family than anybody else. And we've helped people in different ways over the years, in practical ways. But if I did the math... And I tried to figure out how much money actually went to care for my family. It would become a little overwhelming, you know. When those people put those statistics out there and they go, "This is approximately how much it costs for a child to grow up and to go to college," and then people just stop having kids after they read those statistics. They're like, "Oh, I could never do that." And it's like, why? Because you know, you eat a giant elephant one bite at a time. You know, so that's an elephant in the room. How do you eat it? One one bite. Elephant's a bad example because no one's eating elephants. But you know what I'm talking about. It feels overwhelming. But don't we spend our most effort and our most time? I mean, really, the reality of it is, and I've heard people tell me this, listen, you may be a pastor in a church, but just remember, when you decide to walk away, or God asks you to walk away, or you're no longer of this earth, that church will replace you like that. But your kids will never have another father. And it's important for you to remember that. And it's important for me to remember that. It doesn't mean people can't try to fill that gap in some ways, but your role as a parent is very unique and can't be replaced by someone else. And I think the reason why, I know the reason why I'm sharing that is because this is the message that God communicated to Israel, that you are part of the community and the community supports the community. In the Old Testament, when God brought the nation of Israel out of captivity and out of slavery, and he wandered them in the wilderness for 40 years because of their disobedience, he moved them into the promised land, There were 12 different tribes of Israel. Actually, 13, if you count Joseph's, were split, Ephraim and Manasseh. And this is what happened when they got ready to move into the promised land. On the east side of the Jordan, there were three tribes, Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh. They decided to settle their people on the eastern side of the Jordan and not go into the promised land. They said, hey, this is really good land. We want this to be ours. So they decided to kind of pitch their tent on that side, and that's what they were going to do. And this is what Joshua said to those three tribes. Verse verse 12 of Joshua chapter 1. Then Joshua called together the tribes of Reuben, of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and he told them, Remember what Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. The Lord your God is giving you a place to rest. He has given you this land. Verse 14. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may remain here in the land Moses assigned to you on the east side of the Jordan, but your strong warriors, fully armed, must lead the other tribes across the Jordan to help them conquer their territory. Stay with them until the Lord gives them rest, as He has given you rest. And until they, too, possess the land the Lord your God is giving them, only then may you return and settle here on the east side of the Jordan River in the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, assigned to you. What is He saying to the people of Israel? You are a family, you are a community. And just because you have your peace doesn't mean your job is done. Just because I have my peace doesn't mean my job is done. It is my responsibility to help those that are part of the community achieve and receive what God has promised for them as well. And it's so easy for us to say, I've got my stuff, I've got my place, I've got my skill, I've got my money, I've got my talents. And, you know, there are people that are struggling, but I'm good. And that's exactly what God's addressing here through the nation because the human nature is to say, when we're okay, life is okay. And the message that we're really seeing in here is like, no, when you're part of the body of Christ, when we're joined as the body of Christ, when one part hurts, the other parts hurt. When one part struggles, the other part should be struggling and there should be a compensation to help cover so that there is no need across the entire body after the nation went into, into the promised land and they conquered the, the city of Jericho. And some of you know that story where they walked around the city for seven days and, and Jericho was an overwhelming task. They, they, they saw a defeat. They were incredibly powerful. It was incredibly powerful. And then, then they decided to go after the next city and the next city was called Ai and it was much smaller than Jericho. So they decided they would take a lot less people to Ai. So they went ahead and they, they, went, ahead and they, and they went to conquer Ai and they got their butts whooped. 36 men of Israel died, the Bible said. 36 out of a million plus people, 36 died. And that 36 to them was utter defeat. And they came back with their heads hung low saying, what have we done? God is no longer with us. This is what God's response was. The Lord said to Joshua in Joshua 7 verse 10, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I command to them. They have taken some of the devoted things that they stole They have lied. They put them with their own possessions. God told Israel, when you conquer Jericho, don't take any of the devoted or valuable things. Leave it there, destroy them, and don't own any of the stuff. And there was a man named Achan that took some of the gold and some of the things of value from Jericho, hid them, and put them in his tent. One guy did that, and it affected the entire nation of Israel. Does that seem fair? Let me just be honest. Does that seem fair that other people lost their lives Other people lost their lives. The whole nation felt the mourning and the grieving because one guy disobeyed. You see how this works? It's the whole thread that you see through Scripture that when you're part of the family of God, then what you do impacts others around you. And that does apply to us today. What we do today does impact people around us. That there are consequences that go beyond our own decisions that affect more than us. In one of the most extreme ways we can look at it, you see within the church, how many times I've talked to people over the church uh, over the years in pastoral ministry, where there's been leaders of different places in church, whether it's pastors or staff people or volunteers and leader roles. And there's moral failures that happen across the church that impacts the individual. It impacts the person that they're with. It impacts their family. It impacts the whole church. If you let it continue to go one decision, That is a sinful decision or something that is sinful. And it doesn't have to be a sin of admission, which is what I'm talking about in terms of a moral failure. But one decision can have a consequence that affects a lot of people. We understand that. And that's what God's teaching us in the community, and the church. He's saying the church is supposed to function as a family and a community. Know that your decisions will impact other people. And you want your decisions and you want your attitudes and your priorities to impact people for God, not for ill, but for the good. You see that in the Old Testament. If you fast forward to the New Testament, when Jesus was praying for his, for his disciples and for the church before he was arrested in John 17, verse 20, he says this, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. You know what? what's so cool about this? That's you. And me, Jesus is praying for his disciples that he can see and he can touch and he can build relationship with. He's also praying for you and I in that time over 2000 years ago. And look what he says. I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one as you are in me, father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Super powerful. When you look at the role of community, what is Jesus saying? saying, I need, Lord, I want them to be one with each other as I'm with you. And when they're connected to us and they're connected to each other, that is the way the world sees that you and I are here. It's not about how many outreaches we do. Those are not bad things. When we do Mission Lansdale this year, we're looking at doing another outreach to the community we've poured into for the last two years. Those are great things for us to do. But we have somehow changed in our mind thinking that, Outreach events are the things that will win people to Christ. Will it plant a seed? Absolutely. Are they good? Yes, they're necessary. It's a muscle we need to flex. But the real truth, the real proof, and the evidence that people need to see to, dis- to prove that God is who he says he is and Jesus is real is the way the church is one, is the way the church is unified with each other, is the way the body cares and helps for each other. And that's not something that everyone's real comfortable with. We're stuck in this individual mindset sometime. I've got my place, my stuff, my neighborhood, my time, my garage door openers. I go in, I go out, I wave to people. Hey, I see them on Sundays. We wave our way. We put our time in. There are people that that believe that all throughout our country about Christianity and how it looks. And it doesn't look anything like what we see in the first century church. But a family is what we're a part of will become followers of Christ. I believe this is why the apostle Paul and the apostle Peter and the apostle John all refer to the church and followers of Christ as children of God. If we're all children of God, it means we're all part of the same what? Family, right? He calls us sons and daughters. The gods calls us sons and daughters. Why? Because we're all part of the same what? Family, He also says that we are brothers and sisters. When these apostles wrote to the other Christians in different places, they called them what? Brothers and sisters. Why? Because we're all part of the same family. We need to be reminded of how important it is for us to consider the needs of others if we want to see God move in mighty ways. 1 Corinthians 11. It's one of the common passages that we use for communion. When we talk about how the church comes together and takes of the bread and eats drinks of the cup. We remember the broken body of Christ and the shed blood of Christ. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 11, talking to the church and the believers in Corinth. He says, when you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. This is Paul talking. For some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. I mean, think about that. He's saying you're gathering together together to talk about how you're supposed to be unified by the body of Christ, that he died so that you could be unified. And some of you eat, and others go hungry. Some of you get drunk, and others are famished. And then he says, what? I love that. (laughs) Isn't that great? I read that. I laughed yesterday when I read that in a translation. What? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking, or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. I mean, he's being very direct to the church. This was a church that wanted to talk and, you know, they wanted to speak in tongues and they wanted to have all their gifts and their interpretations and they wanted the miracles and they wanted all those things, but they didn't know how to love each other. So in 1 Corinthians 12, we're not going to talk about it today. Uh, We're not going to go there today, but Paul talks about all those gifts are important and you're part of one body. He uses the example again of the body, how when you're in Christ, you become a part of that body and the left should know what the right is doing and the foot should know what the hand is doing and you all have a purpose and you all have a gift. And then in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, and all of those gifts mean nothing if you don't have love because love is the most important thing. So stop looking for the gift and start loving like Christ loved you. That's the message of the church today. Stop just looking for the man. Oh, we want to see the power of God. Oh, we want to see the mightiness of God. We want to see, here's what I firmly believe that we see in scripture. The more that we learn to love those that are also followers of Christ and the church loves the church and we give of our time and our skills and our money and all that stuff, the more miracles we will see. The more that we continue to give of our lives for the sake of others because Jesus gave his life for you and I, the more miracles we will see. But the more that we keep just plugging along and doing our own stuff, and God, why don't we see you? He goes, because I've given you all this ability to live differently and to make a difference, and you're not doing anything with it. He's not going to ask, he's not going to represent us through miracles and respond to that if we're not being the way the church has called us, he's called the church to be. So the point is, Family is supposed to care for family. If you want to live like this, remember that when you choose to follow Christ or follow Jesus, you become a family. The second thing I want to mention today briefly is just this. Growing in God's grace grows your generosity. The Bible's very clear about this because you might hear this and go, yeah, you know, I'm a little generous, but I might be a little stingy about my life too or my time or my priorities or I don't really want to help these people for whatever reason. Look at Acts 4.32 says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own. But they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify at the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace, look at this, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in all that there were no needy persons among them. The level of God's grace in our life determines what it looks like for the church, that there were no needy persons above uh, among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Now, what does it mean to grow in the grace of God? To grow in the grace of God doesn't mean that we need more grace from God. We have all the grace that we need from God. Growing in God's grace means to grow in the understanding of what he did for us. It means growing up spiritually. The more we mature in knowing who Christ is and what he's done for us, the more generous we will be towards others. So put this into context for us today. If you are a Christian who is stingy with your resources, you, my friend, still have a lot to do to grow up. If you're not generous with your stuff, and you can define stuff, remember, it's everything under the sun. If you're not generous with your time, if you're not generous, if you're a hoarder, with your resource and the things God has given you, you need to grow in God's grace. I need to grow in God's grace. Really, we all need to continue to grow in God's grace, but it is a measurement and a mark for all of us to remember. To be like this in the community that God has called us to be, we need to continue to be people that recognize that the stuff is just stuff and that it should never own us and that God should say, I want you to give that to someone or I want you to let that go or I want you to invest your time in these people that if God's calling you to do it as your heart continues to beat with more generosity and you continue to know more who Jesus is, you will continue to flex that muscle of generosity and get stronger and stronger and stronger. We grow in the grace of God by growing closer to Jesus. Does that make sense today? Does it make sense? I hope you're with me today. I hope it's so important for us to hear this because there are people and I struggle with this in my own life at times where like generosity is something that I can struggle with and I'm generous with some things, but other things I'm like, no, no. And I feel many times that the way that I break through that is not by just doing, it's by getting in deeper relationship with Christ. And when I get in deeper relationship and I spend more time with Jesus during those times, those are the times that I find myself going, you know what, God, you're speaking to my heart now and you want me, you know, what? I just, I need to spend some time doing that and the closer we get to Christ the more our heart opens with a heartbeat of generosity towards others we cannot be stingy and think we are spiritually mature it doesn't work that way in scripture it's a promise of god that he meets every one of our needs and it's a it's a it's a trend that you see in scripture that he commands all of us to function as a community so that we can be a light to the world around us. Pastor Matt, if you guys can come as we get ready to close this morning. I want you to imagine with me just for a few moments what it would look like today in the current church, 2018. And we'll look at bridge. I don't want to look at the world. I just want to look at bridge because when we look too big, sometimes we can become overwhelmed. But I want to look just for a moment about the world that we live in. And I want you to imagine with me what would it look like if we lived as a family and a community, and it's not that we don't do this in measure, I'm just saying if our goal and our heartbeat was to continue to grow in relationship with Jesus so that we can really care for the needs of people around us, what would it look like? It looks like if you're one of those people that are here today and you go, I have some resource, I have some money that I really could bless people with. And, and who are those people? God will reveal that to you and the needs of people that don't have the ability to earn will be met. Or you might be here today saying, I don't have the money to be able to help someone, but I have a lot of experience and I can mentor someone to help them go from where they are to where they need to be. There are fatherless kids in our church. There are motherless kids across the the community. There's a community of people that need someone to just say, take your experience and pour it into someone. What would it look like if that was what God was calling you to do? What would it look like if he was just saying, take some of your time and invest it in some people around you that just need a friend? I wonder how many of us would be honest about that and say you can be lonely sometimes. How many times, especially time you know I, I and i know i'm not going to i'm not going to pick on the retired people today okay because i know sometimes when you're retired you can be busier than ever but here's what i want to make sure there is no retirement in scripture god has not called you to stop working a job so that you can spend the rest of your life being selfish well i don't have anything to offer can i tell you that is a lie that God has never, ever, ever spoken into you. If you're here today and you have extra time on your hands because maybe you're not working full-time, don't ever underestimate the fact that there might be a young boy in this church that needs a father figure that you could pour into. Don't ever underestimate that. Don't ever underestimate that. I was just talking to my mom the other day, and she's well into her retired years, asking the same exact question, God, what can I do? Because I get it though I'm not at that stage of my life I know that we could say well I can't run hard like I used to and I can't serve in ministries the way that I used to and I can't and I can't and I can't but can I tell you if you're still here and you're still breathing and he's still giving you life in your lungs it doesn't matter how hard you can run or how much weight you can lift if you're still alive God has a plan for you and he will use you for his kingdom it doesn't matter our bodies are just our bodies. God says, I'm going to give you the ability to reach people. And my mom and I were talking about it the other day, and she said, And this is something that God's been putting on my heart that He wants me to do. Even though I don't have the physical ability to do this, this, and this anymore, look what He's showing me that I can do. Can I tell you? It can transform someone by just being available. Maybe you just have the skill and you can just love someone through skill. Maybe someone needs help in writing a resume. Maybe somebody needs help repairing a car. Maybe someone needs help in parenting their children, and you have good skills or you have resources you can put them in contact with. Listen, when the community cares for the community, that's when the miracles will start to happen. Would you stand with me, please, as we just get ready to close this morning? The worship team is just going to sing this song, and and I guess what I want to speak to today, because I'm thinking about where we're going with this song, and really what I want to speak to today is I believe that there are many people that are in this room today that for some way, shape, or form, either feel like they don't have anything to offer or maybe they used to be able to give and maybe they've just gotten a little rusty. I believe there are people in this room that question what they can give or offer or maybe they said, I used to be like this, but now I've kind of gotten a little out of practice. Can I challenge you this morning to be reminded of the fact that the same God that put that life and that ability in you whenever is the same God that can revive that today. And if he's putting something in your heart today to go and make a difference and to care for the community around you, he will equip you with the power to make it happen. Let's just bow our heads as we just worship for a moment. Father, I just pray that you would speak to our hearts today as we just begin to close our hearts in prayer today, Lord, that your word would just speak to us and through this song we would be reminded that you are a faithful God that you never change and you always promise to do what you said you're going to do.